peek behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. And welcome back to another Softly Performance Podcast. It's been a while, actually. Brooke, how are you doing? I know. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fine. Um, it's been kind of crazy. We've had some, uh, I mean, the last time I was out there is the last time we recorded was probably almost three months ago. So um, a lot has changed within the world lately. We have gotten really good at telecommunications is what we're currently doing right now. Um, and just real quick, that is something that I feel that is just skyrocketed lately. So it's been pretty cool to see um, the connections with what people were doing with it. So, and it's funny, it's like we were doing this prior to, to our situation with COVID. So it's been pretty cool to be able to kind of just keep moving and pushing through. So yeah, we're a little bit ahead of the game, which is nice because you're out on the uh, Western side and I'm here in North Carolina. Yeah. So we haven't been on a show in a while um, and we wanted to come on. We're going to talk about something really cool today. Um, I think it's it's been a while since we've talked a little bit about like not nutrition and performance tied together, but we do a lot of it separately. And, to, and today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be bringing it together and talking about how our body utilizes energy um, between the anaerobic and the aerobic metabolism uh, is what we're going to be doing. But you know, we've kind of been doing a lot of other things outside of that for the for Softlead and putting out programs and doing everything else and only trying to make them better. Um, and we wanted to kind of give you guys a spin up of what's going on here in the human performance side of things since we've kind of been kind of quiet since everyone's kind of done their thing and kind of focused on, I guess you can say ourselves to get ourselves moving forward and, and adjusted to the new world that we're kind of moving forward in. But, uh, you know, we do, we've talked about the new app before. We've said that before. We have a new app that we're going to be pushing out here. Um, I'm not going to give a drop date because it changes so much, <laughs> especially when truth. I'm writing programs and I have deadlines and I'm like, oh, cool, now it changed to this. Oh, nope, changed back to this. Oh, <laughs> changed to this. So um, being flexible is kind of my new, uh, my thing nowadays is just kind of being able to, to flex, flex myself in and out of what I need to get done. But, you know, what's cool about the new app is we're going to make it, it's coming out to be very user-friendly. Um, not just from the coaching standpoint. And when I talk about the coaching standpoint, it's more of the, hey, you're, there's going to be a little bit more direct action and direct course of like, hey, what we expect of the week of the athlete, what the athlete should expect of themselves. Um, and, you know, doing a little bit more data-based collecting, you know, and creating our, uh, our own score and stuff like that, that's going to allow for you guys to... Um, one, help better yourself outside the gym and outside the fitness program, but also challenge yourselves with your friends and everything else like to help keep your guys' um, journey of health and wellness on the right track, I guess you can say, you know. And, and Brooke, you've been doing a lot of work lately, actually, on the nutrition side of things. And, I mean, I know, I know how much work it does take behind the, the scenes of building Yap just because we had to do last year for the exercise science stuff and the performance stuff. So right. I'm interested to hear a little bit here, your process of yeah, what's going I'm on right now. Really, really excited. It's, it, it has been very like work heavy for me in the back end, but what, basically what's important is that's going to translate to everyone having on the nutrition side of the house, way more information, including way better search features to build and tailor this program out to your needs specifically. Um, we definitely take pride in the fact that we're able to tailor the needs to individuals much better than something like an online calorie or macronutrient calculator. And now you're going to be able to have all kinds of different information from 
understanding the breakdown of a recipe on a macro level, but also what kitchen equipment do I need to grab before I get started? Roughly how long is this going to take me? Um, can I search for just a vegetarian friendly recipe? So there's going to be way, way, way more options to help make sure that we're setting you up to really apply these nutrition solutions in a way that's more realistic for someone who has a really busy life. And that's what I'm most excited about. I'm kind of interested to see how that is. Cause it does sound very complex. Like what are some of the simpler ways that you, you're, what are, what can you give examples of what this is? Cause I know it looks different for a lot of people. Yeah. So our core of how we assess someone is going to be the same, but basically how that shows up in the app is going to look really different and it's going to be a lot. Um, basically it's going to give you a lot more freedom to determine what best fits your life versus right now where we have different macronutrient splits for each athlete now we're going to be able to take it a step further. So let's say you have an allergy to wheat or gluten. You'll have the ability to identify those allergens in a recipe super easily, eliminate those from even popping up on your meal plan, or easily identify things so that you can replace it easily with something else. If you have a certain um, dietary pattern, let's say you're a pescatarian, we want to make it super easy for you to search the database of recipes so that you can put things that fit your preferred dietary pattern into your meal plan. And then we're going to continue, of course, to add to the recipes. So there will be hopefully one day like hundreds of different vegetarian options or hundreds of different pescatarian options. Um, but we'll make it super easy for someone, you know, if you are gluten free to, to pick and choose and understand or if you have allergies like peanuts so that you're, you're not putting yourself at risk and your meal plan really will be easily tailored to your needs. Does that make more sense? No, that actually makes sense. So it's going to be pretty much a process of so someone will be able to go and be like, hey, I'm allergic to this and this, and I don't like this and this and this. They click whatever they yep. like or add it in there. Yep. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's, so it's a lot of uh, right now like back-end work to make sure every little detail is overloaded with all the facts it will need. But it's really fun, and I'm just super excited because I think that at the end of the day, it's going to be much, much better for someone to apply in their life. So... <sighs> Are you having to create, so are you taking recipes and creating new recipes off of all these different changes? Or are you just taking a recipe, making substitute for that recipe just so it goes across the board? Because I'm, I'm pretty sure that can be very time consuming as well, right? Yeah. So the first stage, uh, we will not have like a substitution option. I kind of just help give suggestions for people basis by basis. But right now what we're doing is we're going in and we are overhauling by adding all these extra data points to recipes so that someone can easily search through. But then in the next iteration, there of course will be other, you know, more detailed things. But right now we're really focusing on allergens and diet patterns and even labeling things by cuisine. So if you have a preference mm. that you don't like Asian type dishes, they won't show up. So we're going to do oh, things wow. like that. And then we will continue to add new recipes wherever we see. I think it'll be much clearer, you know, like, oh, wow, there's actually only 10 recipes in this category. Let's focus on adding some more recipes in this category. And I can also see who favorites recipes. So if you're an app user, definitely use that little heart button to favorite recipes you do like, because that also helps give me information and to recognize patterns. So I know how to continue to give our customers a better product.
Huh. I mean, that's actually interesting that you say that because it's kind of, it's literally going to be as simple as possible. All you got to do is make the food yourself and eat it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we've we've talked about that before in the past where I've like literally said the app does the work, like literally just lays it out for you. All you have to do is be able to do it. So I, I, I dig it that we're going to be getting a lot more uh simpler for users when they uh, go ahead yeah. and sign up for the app and be able to it is already that. super simple um, like you said but it'll just be able so someone can be su- even more specific with their wants and dislikes and stuff like that well the functionality within the app is going to be um it's going to just be another level of for what sure. it was it's pretty much kind of what it's going to be i'm excited so, i mean it, yeah no it sounds like a it sounds like you're doing a lot of stuff that's one you get to be creative as much as you want with it. Um, I guess you can say with the recipes and developing all that, but I'm pretty, I know how it was when we were doing the exercise science stuff and developing like the HR, uh, HR, we're talking about HRV stuff. We're talking about heart rate formula stuff. We were talking about like energy expenditure and compliance and how are we going to blend all these things together? And what are these percentages here and there? And it was like, well, okay, cool. How are we going to go to manage these loads and trying to figure out like different formulas and how do we blend it to make it work the way we want it? It was, uh, yeah, it, I enjoyed it. I'm not going to lie to you. It's kind of the nerd stuff that I, I dig into anyways. So to allow for, to be able to put that into the, you know, into work and see that, I guess you can say that's a, that's just another facet of what we do um, as individuals with what our profession is. Yeah, it's a lot of like brain power on our end so that basically everyone else just gets to have a super chill experience that's as easy as possible. Yeah, you know, and and I, I, you know, when you say brain power, I'm like, it is. It's 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 an it's an enjoyable type of brain power. One thing I've really learned during this whole quarantine, just because I'm, it affected everyone. Um, I'm pretty sure differently, but one thing it did for me, it was, you know, most some people, and I was really fortunate. Some people, you know, weren't able to work and stuff during that time period, and like, my like I just got even more busier with programming and, and it was cool to be able to create a different program like the minimalist program um, for people and bring a very unique style of softly to the minimalist world, right? And so you're like, hey, you just need a sandbag, you need a backpack and this is what we're going to do and I'm going to stick and adhere to the left and right lateral limits of the strength conditioning world and still do these things. And, you know, we've seen some really good things out of it and it was really cool to be able to have that you know, and right now it's kind of the same thing, you know, you're developing this stuff on the back end and being creative so that down the road, we don't have to look at it as like a, as a, a roadblock. Cause we, we missed it. We're trying to get all those things right now. And that's one thing with the Milnes program I was really happy about was the fact that cool, that kept us moving forward. Um, especially when everything changed. So I'm excited for the new app. I know you are, I know the company is, um, there's been a lot of work behind it. So I'm excited. Yep. Sweet. Well, Brooke, open us up. Let's go ahead and start talking a little bit about what we're going to be covering today because you're super excited about it. I have taken some different approaches with way my training, lifestyle, health and wellness and eating and nutrition, how I view it all now is has changed quite a bit and I'm and I know we've talked a little bit about it and you're just like, Jesus, dude, what are you doing to yourself? Um, But, you know, it all ties back into understanding energy production and, and, and management of myself as, a, as an individual and the individuality that I bring to it and what I'm trying to do in the mountains um, and what I'm trying to get out of myself. So I'm excited to talk about you know what we're going to get into today about the aerobic system and the anaerobic system because that is something that I've dove in 
deep into since we've created the Apex program back in 2017, you know? Yeah, probably. I wanted to start, um, you know, you've kind of touched on that we're going to talk about energy metabolism and we're going to talk about biochemistry and hopefully a super digestible way and it's not overwhelming and you as always can email me or dm me if i say something and you want further information on reading or um any further clarification but we have a lot to scratch the surface on and i really (laughs) want to start by defining what energy balance is and this ties both to nutrition and exercise and energy balance is basically in the simplest form, it's caloric intake amount and how that then balances out with our output. It's just a simple input and output is what we call our energy balance. And you'll frequently hear people in the industry say things like calorie deficit, where you're actually putting less food into the system, less calories than you're burning because you have a goal to reduce your mass essentially. So then you also can have an energy or calorie surplus where you're putting more food or fuel that in turn creates more energy than what you're going to need while you burn because you're trying to put more mass. So when you really take a step back and think about things at a basic level, that's what we're talking about when we talk about energy balance and it's really important to understand how to do this in a healthy way. For example, you shouldn't be working in a calorie deficit or an energy deficit for a year. Like I would, you know, things like that. That's something you wouldn't want to do. So there's definitely a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things when it comes to energy balance that will affect your energy metabolism, which is really what we're going to dissect today. I think that when it comes to having low energy availability, you're going to see things like unwanted loss of muscle mass. If you're a woman, you'll have menstrual dysfunction. There will be hormone imbalances in men and women. Your bone density is going to decrease. You may have increased fatigue, injury, illness, impaired adaption, prolonged recovery. So all of these things are really important when we think about food as fuel because we're trying to use this food for fuel and energy to hopefully do really awesome active things, whether that's in the gym, outside being active, or in your line of work, you really need to have that. So basically that's just kind of like a, why is this important? And why does the biochemistry matter? (laughs) Well, that's the thing. So first off, like the biochemistry to me, for me and for the everyday person, realistically does the biochemistry matter or does the understanding of what you said food does for us. Food gives us energy, right? I think that is the most simplest terms to create the same color cups across the board. It's like, no, the biochemistry could be this, and it's a very complex aspect of it, and it's super sexy to get into, but that's not what really matters. Like, that's what's not going to make you eat better. And some people it might. I could be completely wrong. Some people need to know the biochemistry of it, you know, and, and they need to be able to do that so they can tie themselves to food in a different way so they can go ahead and look at food and eat it as energy. You know, that's something that I've really taken to heart lately is, you know, I've really talked a lot about the emotional idea of eating and how it causes trauma to us, right? And the emotional-based idea of eating and nutrition over time is only making us sicker. Like, and and, and that right there, what happens is if we're eating that way, we're actually not giving ourselves energy. We're taking energy from ourselves. So 
when we look at the aerobic system, right, and we look at the anaerobic system, we understand that the anaerobic system, everyone knows that the anaerobic system utilizes, utilizes carbohydrates. We know that it, it utilizes glycogen for fuel. Well, the problem with that is we don't store very much of it. Right. But, and, and that's the crazy part is everyone's like, oh, no, I need to go ahead and utilize the anaerobic system at all times because this, this, and that. But it's like, at the end of the day, you use all of it within that one sitting and your body now goes into another state of metabolism, which is the aerobic system, right? And it starts utilizing different types of macronutrients. Yeah, so I want to go back and like further define when, so the aerobic and the anaerobic pathways are um, pathways for exercise metabolism is what we're talking about for those who might not know. But the anaerobic system is this very short term, like you're saying, and the aerobic is really more for sustained production of energy and exercise. And this could be just your everyday life doing things. You need energy or just prolonged exercise, uh, something like distance running versus sprinting when we was yep. probably the easiest comparison when we talk about these two energy pathways, they don't switch on and off like we think, but they naturally kind of like ebb and flow based on the current needs. And the anaerobic, if you break down the word, you probably already have the answer, but it means that these, this is happening without oxygen versus the aerobic, which is happening with oxygen present. So that's also a large part of which pathways are used. And at a metabolic level, um, you're using for the anaerobic system, you're actually using, like you mentioned, glycogen. You're also using uh, phospho, phosphate. So you're using that phosphogen pathway. ATP. And yeah, so you're using a different pathway that's going to be used for a very short amount of time. We're thinking short bursts, something like a sprint or a one rep max. And that really doesn't, that doesn't last that long. And so then, like some people say, it actually really is less than 10 seconds. It's like an immediate, that a, the ATP phosphocreatine system is like this immediate less than 10 seconds, like we rapidly need energy. And then it's going to automatically switch where it's going to start using that aerobic pathway. And you're going to see the use of carbs, amino acids, and fats as different fuels for activity. So it, does that make more sense? No, yeah, it does 100%. Well, it's because as I've gotten deeper into the endurance now with what I'm doing, especially training up in the mountains at 7, 8, 9, 10K now, I've really had to change my eating habits. I'm no longer looking at f carbohydrates as my main source of food. And now I look at carbohydrates as I use it as my superpowers in the mountains to go ahead and give me the quick burst because my body is now understanding how to utilize the macronutrients differently but I've had to utilize focusing on eating more proteins and fats. I still have carbohydrates, but it's not in the abundance I was doing before. Um, and, and what's crazy about that is that understand that endurance is a metabolic sport. And when I say it's a metabolic sport, meaning that for us to go long periods of time to live this long life or to live through you know forever or to run a race that takes 24 to 36 hours, you ha your body has to know how to metabolize what it's utilizing in its system, the food you put in, what you already have it in. And, you know, running multiple 100-mile races and, and being able to see and understand the energy systems even better now, knowing that, oh, I need to make sure that my body is more dependent off of fat and protein as a whole because that provides my aerobic system with energy. 
right? But then when I start becoming anaerobic when I'm moving, I then need to go ahead and support myself with carbohydrates because that's what the system needs in that moment. And then that has been the biggest change in my view with the energy systems now, especially when it comes to training because now it's like, oh, let me find out what your maximum um, aerobic function heart rate is because once you pass a certain number, in theory, you start utilizing the glycogen systems, right? And then if you go ahead and get below a certain heart rate, you're still utilizing fat and, and fat as fuel and you're utilizing oxygen in the right way. And like you said, anaerobic system is without oxygen. Aerobic system is with oxygen. And I'll even take it a step above that. You know, when I go ahead and look at oxygen, oxygen provides me with energy, provides me with power, right? So why would I want to be in such a high anaerobic state if I'm not getting energy from that? But I know that the aerobic system provides me with oxygen, which allows for me to develop energy and energy production. So why would I not utilize that more? So it's the same way I've looked at nutrition in the same way now. It's like, no, carbohydrates provide me in this manner, but proteins and fats now provide me with the endurance that I need and the oxygen and the energy that I need to go ahead and be sustainable, not just in my efforts on the mountain or in the gym, but for my everyday life. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think absolutely. It's really important that there's a balance of the fat, carbohydrates, and protein. And truly, when you start getting deeper into wanting to listen to your body's response to food and exercise, people are going to figure out what works for them. And I think this is what I tease you about all the time because you're always experimenting on yourself. But that's the point of kind of how you came to this conclusion is that you pay attention to how your body's responding. How, how do you feel while you're, you know, on the mountain? How do you feel after during recovery? How's your energy just waking up and having to do normal tasks and be a dad? All of these things are affected by uh, what we put in our body and then what we choose to do with that energy and when we think of food as fuel. So I definitely, definitely agree with that statement. And the aerobic system uses carbohydrates and, f and fat oxidation, which is why it's important. And you mentioned on your runs, you use carbohydrates for that immediate fuel. And that's what the body prefers in that moment. Your body is not going to respond well if you're snacking on a strip of bacon on your run because it doesn't want protein and fat in that moment. But it definitely wants protein and fat as a part of your diet, a well-balanced diet outside of that activity, whatever it may be. And when you use yeah. that anaerobic system, it is pulling carbs. But what it's doing is it's pulling stored carbs that have already been stored because carbohydrates are stored as glycogen, um, which is like, I love to nerd out about this topic because I love carbs mostly. I like to talk about carbs because everyone else doesn't. It's like trendy to not like carbs now. Maybe that's changing. But your body stores glucose, which is like basically the breakdown of what is a carb. There's glucose molecules it stores this glucose from a carb and it stores it in your muscle your liver and your blood in your blood you can really only store about 20 calories and calories are a unit of energy right so we're storing about 20 calories of glycogen in our blood or blood glucose actually is really what that is so then we also have our liver we store glycogen in our liver but you really only have about 400 calories worth of stored glycogen in your liver the muscle stores much more you have these little glycogen storages in the muscle but that's also only 1500 calories if you are going to do a lot of prolonged activity you can't just rely on that glycogen 
And that's why it's important during prolonged activity to think about that intra intra workout carbohydrate, as you mentioned, very, very, very important. I have a guide I wrote, um, for how to utilize this as a part of your training uh, that's posted with all of our Apex workouts because they, they need it. So it's available on that channel. But if you're listening to this podcast and you want that resource, feel free to email me at brooke, B-R-O-O-K-E at softleet.com. And I will shoot you over um, a copy of that because I'm a huge advocate for using carbohydrates pre, intra and post-workout to really get the most out of your performance. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I, I have to agree. Like, I, I don't think that you don't need carbohydrates or anything else like that because that's something that um, I have always relied on. I, I think that the the idea behind carbohydrates is the kind of carbohydrates that we actually intake and which actually slows down the process of energy that we have in our system. Um, you know, I've experimented with a lot of crazy things and you know that and people, and I, I've not even talked about the one I'm doing right now just because I don't want to, just because of the fact that there's no need to, I know what it works for me. I'm enjoying it and I'm not cutting out a macronutrient. I eat every single macronutrient there is. Um, and I would have to disagree with you, Brooke. I'm on a five hour effort. I can put bacon in and it gives me fucking superpowers. Um, <laughs> and that's just because I've trained my system to do so, but it's taken me almost four years to do this. Um, and understanding to training under a specific heart rate and knowing that, Hey, if I'm going to train in my zone one, zone two, or below my max aerobic function heart rate, that I'm going to be utilizing oxygen and fat as my main fuel source. Um, and the cool thing about that, it allows for me now to turn the carbohydrate again, like I said, into a super food in which it's supposed to be right. That's the way I really look at that carbohydrate. And it's like sweet potatoes, avocados, all those kinds of things that are super healthy for you, provide you with super energy when it is needed. But the problem though, what we see in society today is that everyone is so dependent on the carburetor that's processed, that it's taken away from this metabolic flexibility to allow for your system to go ahead and cycle between utilizing fats and carbohydrates when the right time meets. And that is what I'm strongly sitting behind and, and will hold tight to is being like, no, people are just using carbohydrates in a very unhealthy manner that doesn't allow for them to go ahead and give them the energy that they should be getting from it. And that is it, right? Because again, we know that everyone listening to our training, to our podcast are not always all endurance athletes. They're all strength athletes as well. And it's like, okay, cool. You're listening to a guy who's fucking, who runs endurance now, but hey, guess what? I've also snatched almost close to 300 pounds and I've cleaned and jerked close to 360 pounds. I've been in that world and I've also depended on carbohydrates. And if I got back into that world, I would also look at it differently and understand that, oh, carbohydrates provide me fuel and recovery in a certain way. You know what I'm saying? Like, because I'm understanding the energy systems and understanding the pathways between those two, so, Does that make sense? So basically you're saying the chronic overconsumption of shitty carbohydrates. Correct. Right. Is the, And I, I totally agree. The average American eats usually over 60% carbohydrates of daily calories from their diet. And it's not good carbohydrates. And that's not necessary, especially if you're not super active. So... Funny, so check this out, Brooke. So I, I'll be honest, you and if you listen to the podcast, I wrote a blog on this, and you read it too about my attachment to to emotionally eating, um, and and the really cool thing about that was the fact that I now am not addicted to sugar like I used to be, and it wasn't that I was eating sugary foods; I was just eating processed foods more than I realized. So that sixty percent of daily carbohydrates that I might have been taking in for the day, the nutrient dense carbohydrate out of that maybe was. 20 out of the 10% out of that 
right? And that's kind of the way I look at it now. It's like if I'm going to go ahead and eat a macronutrient, eat a carbohydrate, a fat, or a protein, what, how much nutrients does it provide me when I eat it? Because I'd rather now pick the food or, the, or pick the carbohydrate, foot, protein, or fat that's going to provide me with the most nutrients in it to allow for my system to naturally break down and provide me with the energy I need. And I think that is... A, a different way to look at food, right? And look at, okay, cool. Like, do these Doritos I'm about to eat right now provide me any nutrients? Probably not, <laughs> right? Yeah. We're all, uh, uh, there's a huge pattern and uh, really like a problem, especially in American culture and the way we eat. And that is we are over consuming calories, but we're actually undernourished. So when I'm, Talking about these broad terms of carbs and fat and protein, I haven't even taken a deep dive into what types of carbs, fat, and protein because they absolutely matter. I also want to be clear that, um, you know, my stance as an individual and professionally as a dietitian is never to demonize certain foods. I just think it's really important to recognize the difference and know, like you're saying, are we using foods to soothe something emotionally? Am I using this to feel a dopamine rush? Am I, or am I just having a little bit of something that I enjoy to enjoy? Or am I abusing the food? So I, I think yeah. there's a huge difference. I, I truly do. No, yeah, 100%. It, it's, um, it's cool that you said that, and I, I, I appreciate you, you saying that because there are a lot of nutritionists that who are think they are out there trying to push this idea of food is a certain way and it's not fixing the problem, right? It's like, look, we need to use fuel as energy. And I, and I look at it now too as I've come to this is f- fueling yourself is an art. It's truly an art and it's going to adjust and it's going to change so much because of the fact of your activity levels, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone wants to work for this idea of balance, right? But balance, everyone is looking for consistency within balance. And it's unfortunate. It's like to keep balance, you got to keep moving forward or you got to keep moving, right? You got to keep undulating, right? And I use this, I use this, I use this uh, analogy. Like my daughter's a gymnast. For her to stay balanced on a balance beam, when she has to keep moving, right? Like that is the thing here. And it's like with nutrition, what I've found is what I've seen so much of it you know, when someone gets into this idea, like this is what it's going to serve me in this energy aspect, because I got a certain specific sport or performance I got to do, I'm going to eat the same meals over and over and over and over and over, over, over again. And it's going to go ahead and create stillness, right? Just like in a training program, would you sit there and do the same program, 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 program over again? No. So why would we not look at nutrition the same idea? There needs to be undulation within how we look at food and how we utilize it for energy because there's undulation within our life. Right. Absolutely. And I think um, one of the other things that you said you kind of like mentioned on that made me want to highlight is this idea of not always staying in a stagnant place and kind of basically what I'm hearing is like small changes that progress you in the right direction for understanding what works for you and your body. And that's absolutely what it should be. Nutrition can sound super overwhelming, especially when I'm talking about it in this big, ominous, sciencey way. But truly, we can break this down into very, very tiny steps. And when you feel like, oh, I've mastered the fact that, you know, I feel good when I eat X before I work out or Y after I work out. 
how can I tweak this and take it a step further? Like, oh, I know, like, let's say I know I feel good when I have, um, before a run, I have carbohydrates. Okay, what are you using for those carbohydrates? Maybe you can break this down further and understand what type of complex or simple carbohydrate um, and, and like things like the nutrition, nutrition value, you can then like take it a step further to start making little tweaks and keep going and keep getting better at what you're doing. But don't think that right out of the gate, you're going to magically have the nutritional answers and just be a guru. You know, I've studied nutrition now for, oh God, I don't know, t- like 10 years, probably more than that. And I still in my own daily life, I'm always making these little changes and progress, you know, steps. And they're going to look different for me because I've been in this field for so long versus someone who's like, Hey, I just found softly and I just started paying attention. So don't feel overwhelmed or feel like you're doing something wrong and just take these little nuggets and what works for you and what's super applicable for you and start there. You know, it's interesting. You know, what's funny. I want to give this, see what you think about it. So before my big runs, like my long five, six hour efforts or four efforts, whenever I get out from the mountains, I, I would I would try and eat a, like sourdough bread with something or whatever else, trying to get carbohydrates in. And I just couldn't stomach them early in the mornings. I then switched over to drinking whole milk with heavy cream and some honey and, and some protein. And I'm, I stomach it no problem. An hour later, I'm ready to rock and roll. There's no like... Why is that? Why is it the fact that like it's hard for me to stomach carbohydrates that early in the morning, but I'm able to stomach, you know, because I'm still getting carbohydrates, fat, and protein in that. That's literally what I'm getting, right? right? And I'm able to digest that so much easier, and I, I literally have no stomach. Like there's no energy energy like depreciation from eating that or putting that in prior compared to what I do when I used to do with carbohydrate at that moment in the morning. Yeah. I always wonder what it was. What is that? Okay, the difference actually has to do with you're consuming a food versus a liquid. So if, you, if you're someone who it takes a really long time for you to digest food, I'm one of those people, I plan, I would plan my, my meals very far in advance before a run. And that's what worked for me. If you don't want to, you know, everyone's different, but what you're choosing to do is you're going to actually, you're taking it into liquid form. And honey has a lot of, a lot of simple carbohydrates super easy to digest and you're taking it down along with something like milk and heavy cream that has you know the milk has carbs and fat and protein and then you're adding a little more fat with the cream so it's really this really well-rounded easily digestible liquid and that's what works for you I'm, I'm reading a whole book about this that we could make a million podcasts off this book about the athlete's gut and I'm really excited about Let's keep it. doing so it I'm all we'll about it because I dude I've fixed my gut I think and I want to talk more about it offline yeah, for sure. And I think that um, I actually someone was just emailing me with this question about how hard it is that, you know, and it's hard when you're busy because it's like, OK, well, I have to be at PT or I have to be at the gym at this time before work super early. I know it's important to have a little something in my body, but it's hard for me. And having some type of carb protein drink usually I think works best for most people. And for you, it's the carb protein fat is really your winning combo. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Like I was like, and that's the thing though, is like I'm just tying them all three together now compared to just using them as individuals or as a pair. It's like, no, why don't I just use all three of them together and understand that, right? Be like, okay, honey's a simple carbohydrate. It's low glycemic. It's going to digest easy. Cool. Fat has a lot of amino acids in it. It has, the, it has proteins that I'm going to need for whatever I need. Sweet. Oh, and then heavy cream has 
majority of fat in it that I'm going to go ahead and probably utilize also during my effort, especially because of my heart rate's not going to be in the 170s the whole time. It's going to be down in the 130s at times. It might be the 140s, the 150s, the 160s. Um, And it's kind of one of those things where it allows for me to now, I'm now getting a super combo of utilizing all those different macronutrients because I understand that energy's the energy source that it provides from me. And that's, yeah, it was really interesting. And I was like, does it have to do something with like my circadian rhythm and not wanting to eat because it's dark outside and it's like whatever else. But no, it makes sense. Like that's, that's a big thing. You know, I think a lot of people do have gut problems and that's something that I'm really excited. And I think we should do a series on that. I think we should knock out like a three or four part series um, on that. Cause I, I, I w- would bring a lot of anecdotal experience. I, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you. And I know you probably bring a lot of, scientific stuff there and blending those two together we we, we provide something very powerful for people to understand um yeah, but yeah. And really so, all the all the science and all the studies in the world don't really mean much if they they don't work for you and everyone's different so there is value to those anecdotal stories absolutely especially in just understanding and having ideas to figure out what works for you because even though the science might say something you're like, you know what? This just isn't working for me because there's so many <laughs> variables about nutrition and what works for us and what doesn't. So I, I do think there is value to definitely that anecdotal experience for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, Brooke, what else? Um, I know you said that you wanted to get deeper into this this aerobic and anaerobic stuff. So let's do it. I'm sorry. We, uh, we go on tangents here. <laughs> yeah, well, really, I, I just wanna, wanted to highlight some things about the basic ideas of energy metabolism so we can start to understand and maybe respect food as fuel and think about it as like, what are we putting? Are we putting like corn oil in our Ferrari or are we putting like high quality premium gas in the Ferrari? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. hundred percent. Basically you're taking in nutrients. You're taking hopefully nutrients. You're taking in food. I'll just call it food because most people probably aren't eating high nutrient foods. So we're taking in food. What happens is the body has enzymes and natural pathways that start from the moment you chew your food. Some say the moment you smell your food starts this digestive digestive process and enzymes help to break down the food into further nutrients. And so the cells then take these compounds that the enzymes have broken things down into to use for energy. And this is when you're going to see this break off in, you know, these different systems and there's a ton and I'm haunted by things like the glyphosidic pathway that we won't go into or the Krebs cycle, but it's taking all these little compounds from food and everything has a purpose and it has a place. And I also want to highlight that part of this process of these different metabolic pathways, you need things like vitamin C, B vitamins, B6 is in there a lot. So if we're not actually consuming a lot of nutrients with this food, from the start, we're hindering the way the food is broken down and used by cells. And, you know, you'll see all kinds of, you know, things down the line. I was having this conversation this morning. If you have set yourself up in a way where you don't even have the basic things you need, like vitamin D or B vitamins, you're kind of like shooting yourself in the foot. And, it's going to present later as these weird symptoms when really we need to go back and we need to examine things from the start, which is that first step of what are we putting in our body? 
And all of it needs to be used. And it's important because it's not just for exercise. We're talking about every single day, every single second. We don't even know what our body is going through these processes. And it needs this fuel for cellular function just to think and breathe and exist, really. So that's why I want us to start thinking about food as fuel in a more thoughtful way. Yeah, I like the fact that you did because <laughs> so while you're sitting there explaining talking about food, all I could imagine was this little person sitting in like this feet crossed and hands crossed and like their shining is really low because they're eating super shitty food and all of a sudden they start putting in higher quality nutrient food and the shining of their body just glows even brighter and the energy they're putting off. That's all I thought about my head, by the way, right now. So <laughs> I mean, but it's, <laughs> it's, op- it's absolutely true, though. That's a very good like it, visual representation. It's, it's well, and it's because like this and I, I was um, I forgot what it was I saw a, a meal plan from somebody and it was like it was like oatmeal like the breakfast was good it was like oatmeal bacon and eggs like it had a cup of coffee and it had water and it was good but then the lunch was like a protein a carbohydrate but it was like white rice you know or, and and like so it was a lower nutrient type food is kind of what I'm saying is and literally what I'm saying is white rice is a little bit lower nutrient food compared to other types of carbohydrate that you could be putting in that's all I'm saying I, and we can sit here and argue about that but I'm just saying there was a higher type of carbohydrate could go there with more nutrients um and then it was uh it was like no fats and it was something else and I was like wow like they really think they're fueling themselves the right way when none of majority of their food because that was their dinner as well and they had some snacks was like almonds yogurt and something else and it was like and i'm looking at that and i'm like wow there's no energy in majority of that food that they're eating none whatsoever well wait so like well there's definitely energy because they're like energy really is the calories right but the nutrients is a whole nother story so i think what you mean is the nutrients are lacking right Correct. Yeah. And to see, the problem is, though, is I don't look at, I look at calories as energy, but I also look at nutrients also as, let me, let me clarify that. I look at nutrients also as energy. I look at nutrients as the, the fuel that drives the energy for calories, if that makes sense. Yeah. I totally, I'm tracking now. I was just thinking of like the science definition of energy. Sorry. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, my science brain. <laughs> No, no, no. So I, but I'm still tying it to the science aspect. It's like, right, okay, I right. broke the calorie down even more and I attribute nutrient as a piece of like nutrients bring energy to the calorie is what I'm trying to say. So it was kind of like one of those things. Where it's like, man, but they could have had a higher nutrient dense food in there as a carbohydrate to give them the more energy to actually recover faster instead of just eating. Cause I've, I've eating a white, like just eating a cup of white rice. Maybe you could have eaten maybe a cup of quinoa with something else in it, right? Like something that provided a little bit more nutrients for them to provide them with the recovery. Cause again, like you've, you've talked about it multiple times. There are windows for us to get the most out of food. There are windows to where you don't need steroids to go ahead and get the most out of your food to give you the same antibiotic response as a steroid does. You just right. have to understand your body that fucking well to be able to know like, oh, at this time moment, I need this, this, and this as nutrients. That's going to give me this calorie and boom. You yeah, know? and I like to think of it in stages. It's like, can you master the calorie and energy balance? Okay, can you, add, can you master the macronutrient balance? that you need of, to, of the breakdown of where those calories come from. And then yeah. it's like, can I master the timing of when I have these things going, you know, in the system? And then 
you can get into these nitty gritties of like food choices. <laughs> but I like to think of it as the steps of like, once you can master, you can move yep. up this ladder of these steps that are super important. And that's really for someone who's a serious athlete or they're maybe, you know, especially a lot of our customers and clients, it's like you, your body has to be working well to perform your job. And sometimes that means your life is on the line. So it's extra important that you pay attention to things like nutrition and you work your way up the steps to master each level, really. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm glad that you met me half, you met me there and you understood what I was trying to say because I was like, no, this is, I like, I've had this in my head for so long, like for, for a while now, especially how I look at food. And like, I'm not gonna lie to you, I went, during the quarantine, I think I was eating pizza and ice cream every single night for like a fucking week and a half. And I'm not gonna, like, who else? I'm pretty sure everyone else did. Like, it was, it was rough, all right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and like, I, I literally did a, I did a reset on myself. Um, and, and, and it's funny as I went back to have a slice of pizza the other day and I didn't want it at all. Like, I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, but it didn't give me, it, it was like, I've been eating a certain way because I've been looking at my food literally in a nutrient dense aspect. Like, I didn't even look at the calories aspect. It was like, how much nutrients can I get from this? And I'm going to eat it until I'm full and then I'm done. And then I'll eat again when I'm hungry and then I'll eat that till I'm full and then things. And it's like, I didn't cut out no macronutrients, none of that stuff. But it was, I just cut out the, the lesser nutrient dense foods and that's when it changed like that. And that's, I'm really happy we're having this podcast right now to sit here and conversate and, and, and see this and being like, no, this does make sense. And if you are looking to get your, your optimal performance, because that's what we're here trying to help you out to do, right? And you're like, you got guys like me who are a, a subject for everything he wants to do, right? Like that's the trial and error like I like. Um, but it is, it's possible to go ahead and do that. It just takes fucking time. Yeah. It does. You highlighted something that I think we should, should like, dive a little deeper into here which is there are going to be times in your life where it's appropriate to take the time to do all these things and and really be on point with your nutrition and there's also going to be times in your life where it's actually more appropriate to let off the gas and just be a little bit kinder and understand that maybe right now I only have the bandwidth to deal with am I eating food okay, like that's the only basis I can cover because I'm under the stress of quarantine and and who knows what else. And then there are going to be times where it's like, like you're saying you're easing back in where it's like, okay, now I'm just picking, I know this is a nutrient dense food and this is a good choice for me right now. And you don't need to be worried about having this perfect balance and these perfectly timed nutrition plans. It's really just more about meeting giving yourself a little grace to also meet where you're at and balancing all these other dimensions of health which we've had another great podcast on a while ago which is sometimes other areas of our health are going to need a little more attention and nutrition and physical activity might not be the focus and that's also okay yeah and i want to and i want to talk a little bit about the, the idea of like like even at that low like even if you are there and it's like i've come like it's being aware of what you're doing at that moment is actually what I think is, is the healthier idea, right? It's like, Oh shit. Like I might have, I might splurge tonight because I just emotionally don't want to sit there or whatever else. Or I had a long day at work and I've only eaten twice today. I might need to want to eat something more with higher nutrients in it because I've only eaten three times today. I think that is a fair assumption that someone can do even if they haven't right to be able to just look at food in that manner even if it is, and because I don't think that's having the foot on the gas pedal, 
right? Like I, I think I think that is just a natural progression that someone should be able to get into as they move through the cycle of their journey with nutrition, right? Because again, it is one of those things, right? We talk about the journey of, of physical effort. We talk about the journey of the of of like the mind and the soul and the spirit. But it's also we forget that we don't have the. There's also a journey with nutrition that connects all of those things together. Um, and I think that's the big part there is if we can go ahead and build the awareness like you're talking about, then we can allow for ourselves to understand that, oh, this is the type of foods we can eat when we have specific energy or we need it, or this is how I should look at the way I want it provide myself, right? It's like I, I'm trying to endure as long as possible, so I'm going to go ahead and eat what's going to keep me moving forward. You know, it's... It, yeah. Well, key word you said also, present. Be present. Think about how am I feeling? What does this food make me feel? How do I feel after? Uh, we have a tendency to not even really think while we eat. We watch TV. Yeah. We just scarf something down because we only have a second. We're on our phone on Instagram, you know? So really just be present and your body will usually pretty immediately tell you if it does or doesn't like what you're doing. Yeah. That's uh it's funny is I've become that much more sensitive to the food now ever since I've kind of just went towards like this idea of like looking at food in an nutrient dense aspect instead of looking at it as like just calories and carbohydrates and proteins and fats. It's like, no, I'm not getting rid of nothing. But that's, I like the way you said that because that's literally what it was. I just became more sensitive to my, to how I feel because of the fact of how well I do feel. Dude, I mean, talking about mental, mental clarities through the roof, like my undulation of sadness is not a thing anymore. Like, you know, you have those peaks and valleys of sadness and happiness. You know what I'm talking about. Everyone has them. It's like, it's gone from it being this consistent thing to where it's just a very mellow thing where I've learned, oh, cool. I can use full food to heal myself mentally and physically. Um, and I think that's a, a way that someone has to look at food if they're really serious about living a long life, you know. I love it. This is foreshadowing on all of the athlete gut stuff we're going to talk about because it all is a part of the same processes in our microbiome. Well, and that's the cool thing, right? It's like, so the trauma that we experience as an individual in this like physical aspect creates a psychological trauma, then moves down into the gut as trauma. Is that pretty much kind of the idea of the idea of like, that's how I look at it, Ed. Is that my kind of spot on or on the track? Yeah, it's track? all connected. It's all connected. And for some people more so than others, but the emotions and the, the mental and emotion, emotional health things you're feeling will actually sometimes somaticize in a very direct way a lot of the times through nice. the, the GI track. And uh, it's wild. And if you're someone that's super sensitive, it's not always the most fun experience. But it all matters because if you think about it, um, you know, I was reading something that said it like think of yourself as this like super complex cell, like you're a being and there's a lot going on and it's never super simple. It's not just on and off. It's a very complex system and we have to treat it as such. And I think in the past we've had this way of thinking of like, very uh, singular and we focus on one thing and it's actually so, so, so much more complex and intertwined. You know, I don't even know if we fucking think singular. I think we think in a multifaceted way and it causes confusion and noise that avoids us from being able to think singular. I'm honestly, I, I think that is it. Cause it's like, can you give me an example of what you, you, you mean so with I mean singular? Like, 
so I mean like the treat, I guess I'm thinking more of like a treatment. Like we have a tendency to, to focus on there's, you know, you're, uh, I don't say, um, I don't, can't think of a good example, but if something, if X is wrong with you, you just need to do Y instead. It's like, actually we should probably figure out the underlying cause of X because there's a variety of different answers and things that we can do. That's more what I mean. It's like a singular treatment thinking. Does that make more sense? Perfect. Yeah. And that's why I was like, that's why I looked at it as a multifaceted because I was like, no, the X has multiple different things. But the problem is that we're trying to go to Y right away. Right. Instead of taking care of X and fixing X. Exactly. We have a tendency to think of things as a, our whole healthcare system is set up to be uh, disease treatment, not disease prevention. And so you're going to have to take a huge initiative to want to explore these things for yourself and also health insurance probably isn't going to help much. So, you know, when it does come to a lot of these things, if you want to go down the road of exploring some of these things in in depth, as far as testing, I was having the conversation earlier about things that are a part of a yearly physical and things that should be a part of a yearly physical. They're very different. What are, I'm interested. What are your things that should be a yearly physical? I think a complete micronutrient panel should be a part of a physical. That was like one of the things that I was specifically talking about. But, you know, I just had a bunch of blood work done, you know, not that long ago. And I had to pay out of pocket just to see what was my vitamin E levels at because I had some weird symptoms that indicated I probably had a the way I was digesting vitamin E, even though I, I eat a ton of it. There's something missing in my body that I don't digest it well. So I have really low vitamin E levels and I needed to start supplementing, but to go get testing just to figure out where my micronutrient panel was, was really expensive and I had to pay out of pocket. And that's such a bummer because I think those types of things are very important and should be a part of, you know, our standard of care, like our standard of practice, uh, things they normally look at that that they're also very useful is they're going to look at your cholesterol panel, your a- A1C, your blood glucose, all super important. I guess I just, I would love to see more added to that. Yeah, you make a good point and it's fair. I, I But those are all things that will tell someone how to become more healthier. And health insurance isn't set up that way, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, dude, I... I'm really happy that we had this conversation. We got to get down this, especially like with where I'm at in my journey with my nutrition because, you know, I've been able to really find, you know, some, some, I guess you can, I don't even know what the word it is with it. It's like talking with you and having the conversation to have an, have an intelligent conversation about this and being like, no, we met each other and we're able to create this color cups for everyone to understand it. Um, so I'm really grateful and thank and thankful for the journey that I have up to this point and, and, you know, being able to sit here and listen to you talk about that because, you know, now that I've changed my idea of how to look at food in terms of energy, um, I've noticed that I'm not so deficient in other vitamins that I thought I was Right. Like that was the biggest thing was it was like, holy shit, I'm deficient in all these things. I thought I was eating a lot of food, but I wasn't, (laughs) you know, and it's kind of like, all right, cool. So, no, I'm excited to talk about the series on on the gut. I think that's going to be something really interesting just because of the fact of like, you know, I mentioned it before, metabolic, metabolic flexibility is a legit thing and our bodies should naturally be able to do that. But since we put ourselves in such a chronic state, 
of eating the, the the inappropriate types of foods that have caused this you know this slowdown in, in the in the energy production of what our me- metabolic system should do um, you know it's it's cool to feel I'm not gonna lie to you it's really cool to feel you know I, I when I started this journey you know I was started at 197 I'm back I'm down to 182 right now um, nice yeah dude it's been really cool but it hasn't been a uh, it hasn't been hard it hasn't been like a it's a diet it hasn't been like that. It's literally a lifestyle. It's literally just kind of just like, oh, cool. Just look at it that way. And yeah. and and I want to let everyone know too. Like, if you are looking to, you know, look at food in that idea, it's not easy. It's not at all. I'm gonna be fucking completely honest with you. Like, you're gonna you're gonna struggle for a little bit because you are gonna crave the pizzas. You're gonna crave the sh- the, the cookies. You're gonna crave all those sugary type things. Um, and that's what I realized. The more sugar it has in it, the less nutrients it has in it. A lot of the times, yeah. Like for, that's for processed like, foods, yeah. Yeah, right? Like, And that's kind of the way I looked at it. And I guess that's kind of what it was. I just try to get rid of fucking processed foods in my diet. Um, and it helped me understand that. But no, I appreciate that, Brooke. I, I, you know, we hit a lot of stuff here. I think that these systems are very important to talk about, you know, and, and how they interact with our, with our, with our self. Um, yeah, so. it's like, why does nutrition matter at a very basic chemistry level in the body we hopefully scratch the surface of why we should really think about stuff yeah so for you after having this conversation now that we've talked about it you know and getting your blood work done how does it help you adjust your idea towards food and how you look at nutrients now and calories and eating has that like opened a door for you differently or is it kind of now like okay i need to focus on this a little bit more for me, I think my biggest lesson in, in recent times with everything personally is I'm a creature of habit, and but that's not always what my body needs. Okay. So I think I've had to, to be a little more graceful in the adaptability of going through things, um, if that makes sense. It's oh, yeah. understanding that. Um, you know, I mean what you said of having to switch things up in a sense, it's like paying attention to being present with my body and what it needs in this moment, because what worked last week might not be agreeing and working for me this week. So it's really just remembering, even though I know everything and I want to go on autopilot with nutrition and be a creature of habit, I need to remember to be super present and listening and uh, adjusting as needed. And with all the testing I did, it was super helpful because I realized also that, For me, for whatever reason, even if I eat a really well-balanced nutrient diet where in theory I'm ingesting all the nutrients I need, I still might not have all the right levels. So simple, actionable items like I was having trouble sleeping for a long time and I started eating two Brazil nuts at night because the selenium would be helpful and I had lower levels. So it's just little things like that that I think do matter. But again, I'm like really far into understanding nutrition. So if you're just starting out, definitely don't feel like you have to go do some crazy in-depth dive. But if you have the resources and you're interested, I really recommend getting your micronutrient levels tested. Yeah, no, that's big. Um, I will keep you posted on mine because I get mine in a couple of weeks. So I'll keep you posted. I'm excited about it because I want to be like, oh, look at these and look what I just did. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so you should track really your food excited. you should track your food like just a rough food journal like not like a crazy in-depth oh, measurement yeah. thing but just so you know like oh i'm eating like 
potatoes, avocados, like these things every day so that you know if there's a loophole where you're like, wait a minute, I shouldn't be deficient in this because I am eating enough because that'll also help you connect the dots. That could be an interesting podcast. We could like go through your results. Well, it's funny you say that because like I've actually, I'm pretty, I can tell you off the hand of like the foods that I do eat and the stuff that I stick to and the stuff that I do add in um, here and there. Uh, And it's funny, I, I, I actually had watermelon the other day and it actually made me feel really bloated. It was really weird. It was, I was like, I was like, I I used to love watermelon. Um, and now, now it was just kind of like, yeah, you you don't need it right now. It was like, I was eating it at a family dinner. We had 4th of July and I had some with like a bison burger and some sweet potatoes. Um, yeah, it just didn't, it didn't sit well. It was weird. But before in the past, before I started messing, like focusing that way, it just, it, I could, no problem. I like it to say I had a gut of steel. Yeah. Those intolerances that you're describing, those definitely change throughout our life. And uh, it's important to take note of those changes for sure. Yeah. So I guess the, the overarching theme of this is, hey, guys, become a little bit more in tune with your body when you put food in it instead of just sitting there and eating it and not having no idea of what you're doing. Um, it's it's I know it's harder than it is said to be done because it is it's tough to sit there and be like oh i get to choose food and like all right what gives me this because sometimes i've done it here at my house where i'll go in the refrigerator and it's like none of this stuff looks appealing to me and i don't want it at all because it doesn't provide me no nutrients that i'm craving right now damn it (laughs) you know and it's kind of like all right cool so brooke I appreciate your time again. I love jumping on here with you, and I'm pretty sure all the listeners enjoyed us uh, coming back on for them to give them something different, and I'm pretty sure. For some reason, everyone loves our podcast. Don't know why we (laughs) ramble and talk about some weird shit half the time, but hey, we appreciate you guys, and thank you for the support. And uh, at least from my end, too, I'm pretty sure yours is all the reaching out of asking questions and, um, you know, hey, when's the next podcast coming out and all those other yeah. things. Um, I think we're going to have to make this a ritual. Uh, a ritual Instead of a routine, I need to make it a ritual. It's kind of I've changed my mindset in looking at routines. Is like if I need I to make like it a that. ritual because it's part of my life. Yeah. Absolutely. I, uh, yeah. You know, so cool. Very cool. Well, thank you, George. I always enjoy a good conversation with you. Always. <laughs>